It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Now, this, now last week, we stepped in to talking about the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And we're kind of using as a, as a backdrop Ephesians chapter 4. And so we have five or six verses to read, same ones we did last week. I'm going to lean into it a little bit differently this morning than we did last week. Because I want to prepare you for great days ahead. And this is one of the best passages I know to do it through. So, Pastor Ethan's going to be reading for us. Would you stand as we honor the Word of God? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Brother, go ahead and read. Absolutely. And also, Pastor Les, both hands are full, and this reading involves a page flip. So, uh... I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. So, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 10. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, until we, have all, or until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Amen. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in a love by the proper working of each individual part. Amen. Amen. Brother? Lead us in word of prayer over the word of God today, would you? Absolutely. Lord, I pray be over the scripture that we just read. Help it seek into our hearts and into our minds that we may find ourselves in here. Um, That we're working in every single way that you have ordained us to do so, Lord, as as advocates for caretakers, um, as lovers for one another, as brothers and sisters, as teachers. Um, Lord, let us work together as a unit that we can be the body of Christ. And as Amen. a body, that we can be active and we can be um, showing your love to everyone around Amen. us and actually being the example set for what it means to be fully and embodied um, and filled with your yes. spirit, Lord. Yes. Help us be a reflection of you and help us live out this word as we go from this place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. Okay, you may be seated. Well, that's the church. Uh, You already know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And that's in the command voice. I I love that. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give you my own rendition. I'm going to build my church, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. (laughs) I'm going to build it. I'm going to build my... In fact, the, the... the Greek word there, I don't usually throw this stuff out, but let me just give you the, the Greek word is ekklesia. Can you say ekklesia? There you go. So now some of you speak uh, some Greek fluently. Ekklesia. I'm going to build my church, he says, and not even the gates of hell. A lot of stuff is going to come against my church, but not even the gates of hell are going to triumph over my, my kingdom. 
My kingdom's going to be there. I, I love Jesus' promise to us, the ecclesia. You know what ecclesia means, the church? It means called out once. I call you out. I call you out. I call you out. I call you out. You're part of the church. I'm calling you out to be the church. You are the called out ones. Amen? How's it feel to be called out? When I was a kid, we were in junior high school. If you wanted to fight a guy, you called him out. I'd call you out. Anybody remember those days? Oh, some of you do, yeah. I'd call you out. Jesus said, I'd call you out. You're the ecclesia that called out once. I know some churches that are called, their name is ecclesia. Because they know they're the called out ones. I know some Sunday school classes. They call themselves the ecclesia. In fact, when Paul, you know, this is one of his, his prison epistles. We talked about that. He wrote this while he's in prison. He starts the prison epistles by saying to the saints, the hoiagioi, the, the holy ones. The saints are, the, trans, the, the raw translation is, to the holy ones, the called out ones. You see, when we're called out, we're called out to be different. Amen? We're called out to be not in the world, not of the world, but in the world. We're not to be like the world. We're called out from the world to be the holy ones of God. Now, the truth is we can't do that on our own. Anybody here feel holy on your own? <laughs> About the only holy thing I feel is my socks. All right? Well, we're talking about what God does in us and through us. It's all about what we've been singing all morning this morning about the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us, flows through us, makes us holy. It's because Him we are holy, not because of us. None are righteous, amen, no, not one. He is the righteous one who lives through us. That's the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Boy, how's it feel to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself? The church of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus. You're the body of Jesus. And when you walk around town, when you walk around Homedale and Mountain View, it's the body of Christ walking all over this place. The called out ones, Jesus Christ. And wherever you go, wherever we go, we represent him. Amen? Which is why when that... Well, you're not going to go to a restaurant afterwards. We're going to go in here. So, I don't know. If you can't... If you got to tip somebody, uh, tip Pastor Jason. He needs the money. I'm sure he does. <laughs> But it makes a difference in how we tip the waitress. Because we're the called out ones. We want to honor people around us. Amen. We want to bless them. Amen. Well, man, I've been preaching, having started on my notes. So Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4. It's, it's one of the, the four, what we call the spiritual gifts passages. Can you just say that with me? Spiritual gifts passages. So there's four primary spiritual gifts passages in the Bible. And we don't have time to go through all of them, but I've, so I've listed them on the back of your worship folder. You want to take a look and see that? Um, and now that I'm looking at my worship folder, I wrote something down that I was supposed to say when I was talking about Pastor Mike and Melanie. Tomorrow morning at 8.30. Okay, I just, I just, I just made a left-hand turn. Did you notice that? <laughs> Tomorrow morning at 8.30, we need some guys to help move them. Uh, can we have some guys? Any volunteers, by the way? You know you, you got an hour or two to help us. Um, there, See that hand? Any others here? Tomorrow morning, 8.30, I see that one. Okay, we need three or four guys. See, see some gals over here? Super. So be here tomorrow morning, 8.30, right, brother? Okay, Elvin, so uh, if you can help us out, be here and we'll do it. Now, 
And if you look at this worship folder, you'll notice in the back, spiritual gifts, God's given to his people. This is a God thing. This is how God has designed his church. I know you and I might have designed it a little bit different, but it's not our church. It's his church. He's the head of the church. He died for the church. Did you realize Jesus died for no other organization in the world but for the church, his body? He died for us. He died for you. That's what we sung about it all morning, about the blood of Jesus. Oh, I love that Andre Crouch song. That's a good one. The blood of Jesus, which covers our sins. He died for his church. So therefore, you can say, I'm going to build my church, guys. And nothing's going to overtake it. And we see the church growing. Well, here's the gifts. I even listed them out. Uh, Peter Wagner, uh, he used to be the church growth guru back in the 70s and 80s. He says there's 27 gifts. It depends on who you are. It kind of varies. But you look at these gifts. The reality is, did you know when you came to Jesus Christ and you accepted him as Lord and Savior, he gave you one or more of these gifts. Now, most people who understand this, they will say that you probably only have one or maybe two, three gifts at the most, because if you're gifted in a lot of areas, it'll kill you, right? But God's gifted you in a way. And the way you know how that gift is, is, well, you do it through trial and error. For instance, um, let's say you feel God wanted you to be a teacher, and he's gifted you that way. Well, then you try it out. You ask someone, "Can can I try a Sunday school class? See how it works. See if you like it. Because not, God's not called you to something you won't enjoy. You'll really enjoy it. And when you get through, you'll be fulfilled. By the way, uh, Doug, Doug's daughter, which is Dathan's sister, Cassidy, you know where she is this morning? She's here at church, but she's not in here. She's in the nursery. Now, they have been attending church long. But apparently, there's a call out for, we need some nursery workers. And she stood up to the plate. She says, count me in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Now, I'll tell you what. You can tell right away whether a person's gifted around children. They love children. Now, fifth and sixth grade boys, that's a different thing. But when you get around those little kids, you just want to cuddle them. You want to hug them. You want to get all the sugar you can. You want to bless them. You want to honor them. You want to protect them. You're gifted. Don't mess with the children I care for. Amen? Amen. So that's where she is. Two or three of you raised your hand and said, I'm going to help tomorrow morning. You know what? Did you notice there's a gift of helps here? Try it out. And if you feel good when you help people, there's one of serving. You can usually tell a person who's gifted as they have the spiritual gift of serving because they're always doing it. You don't have to do it. Tell them to do it. You don't have to train them to do it. You don't have to ask them to do it. They're just doing it because God's gifted them that way. And they enjoy doing it. How many of you do not like serving? Come on, put your hands up there. You don't like it. I got... Come on, you liars. There's a bunch of you out there. I know there is. I I don't necessarily like it, but I do it because God's called me to be a servant. Amen? It's not my gifting, but I'm going to do it anyway. How about giving? Did you notice giving here is a gift? Some people are gifted in giving. They just love to give. They don't want anybody to know. When I've been, since I've been here as your pastor, there have been, pastor, there have been a number of people who come up to me and say, Pastor, I want to give to this, but I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. Okay. Because I don't normally handle money. I, I tell them, here's how we can do this. We're going to do it anonymously. We'll get it to the right hands. I don't want to handle money because I don't want anybody to ever question about my handling money. So I just give that away to others. By the way, others do it much better than I do. Amen? Amen? So because they're gifted, you let them do it. When I go to Africa, uh, I don't know how much money we'll take, but I'll guarantee you this. I won't be handling it. 
I will have two or three people who are assigned to handle the money. They will account for the money. They will account for every dime that is spent. They will, they will know how to crunch numbers. They'll know how to take those American dollars and turn them into to, uh, Chichewa dollars, into what we call Kwacha. And when we get to Mozambique, to Medicash. And, and for about $10 in, in Medicash or Kwacha, you got a, bill, a stack of bills about that tall because they have hyperinflation. Woohoo! It's coming. Hyperinflation. Anyway, how did I go there? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody, by the way, when I go to Africa, I don't know what comes out of me. It just does. But, you know, I, I'll be teaching a bunch of pastors or DSs, and, and I'll get on into a nugget of truth, and I go, woohoo! Did you hear what I just said? Woohoo! And I'll, I'll have them all say, hey, come on, say woohoo! They'll all start going, woohoo! You ought to hear four or five hundred African pastors go, woohoo! And they're all laughing at each other, having a good time. Guess what someone gave me this morning? They made it themselves. I got a sign to put on my desk and to take to Africa now. It says, woohoo! <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Look at that, honey. Isn't that crazy? That is some piece of work right there. Man. But God's gifted us. And, and what I want to challenge you to do is figure out what your gift is. I'll give you another way of how you know you have it or not. Affirmation of the body. Confirmation of the body. Uh, have you ever noticed someone who thinks they're a good teacher? But when they teach, uh, they're so far above your head, you don't understand a word they say. You know what I mean? Have you ever been there? Uh, let me talk to you today about uh, the theological suspension of the ethical. <laughs> now that'll stir your heart, won't it? <laughs> well, if you don't like that one, let's go to, uh, let's go to Soren Kierkegaard's existential leap of faith. You know, by the way, I don't think I'd ever heard the word existential till I went to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, we had an occasion in the United States, something happened. Everything became existential. Have you noticed that? that we got an existential this, existential that. I don't think half the people even know what existential means. So I don't usually use it in my preaching, but anyway. So if you want to know whether or not you're a gifted teacher or not, expect someone to say, you know, when you teach, it makes a lot of difference to me. I understand what you're saying. It makes a difference in my life. So good teachers always apply the word. They know how to apply the word, and it makes a difference. See, it's not about information, is it? It's about transformation. We don't need more information. We need heart transformation. So when you're gifted, people will say, wow, you, you've got a gift there, brother. I'll tell you what. And I don't know how many times I've looked at people, I do it to this day, I'll see them serving, I'll say, I, I know what your spiritual gift is, it's, uh, it's, it's serving. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Because every time I see you, you're, you've got a towel, you're wiping the table, you're setting up a chair, and you don't complain. How many of you, after you get through serving, you're, you're mad? Because you had to do it, huh? Come on, confess. You, you're doing it, now you've got to do it all by yourself, you've got to set up a table, where's everybody else around here? Well, you don't have the gift if you get mad. You're enjoying it when you get through. How about hospital calls? Some people are high in mercy. When you understand spiritual gifts, you can identify them. For instance, mercy, usually when a person is merciful, let's take a, let's take a lady, for instance. They'll hug you, and often they'll go, oh, no, I can't even do that right, but I try. <laughs> I, I try. They, they hug you. Here's Marilyn Anderson. I love Marilyn. She and her husband, 10, 15 years older than me, they embrace my ministry so strong. Charismatics. Uh, not Marilyn Anderson here. Different Marilyn Anderson, okay? I'm sorry. 
Marilyn Anderson, Idaho Falls. Every time she'd hug me, she'd go, oh, pastor, pastor, I love you. <laughs> she had a very high gift of mercy. She cared deeply. She was compassionate. She was empathetic. Guess who I asked to help me go to the hospitals? Look, you don't want a person going to see you in the hospital who doesn't have mercy. Get out of bed. Huh? Come on, you wuss. Be a man. No, you want someone who comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry this happened. You're going to be okay? Is there anything we can do for you? You see, that's mercy. And we can go on and on about the spiritual gifts, but understand which one is yours. Because God's given it to you if you're a Christ follower. And when you use it, you blossom. You, you, you're amazing. Tom, let me introduce you to Tom. Tom was a, he was a champion for me in my first church. Uh, he worked for PG&E. He, hung, uh, he did wire work. He did all kinds of wire work. Climbed telephone poles, did wire work. I love Tom. We were like buds. He was my Sunday school superintendent. And after about six months, he came to me and said, Pastor, I, this is not me. I said, well, Tom, I need you. He said, well, I'm not an administrator. I'm having a hard time getting people to do stuff. I said, okay. I thought I could change Tom. I said, Tom, give me another six months and let's see what happens. Six months later, we're sitting on the same stairs outside the secretary's office talking about it. And he goes, it ain't working, is it? And I go, no, I guess it's not. Guess what happened? The next Sunday night, a little Indian girl, she got hit by a car in town. And we found out about it. We were having a Sunday evening service. And as soon as the service was over, I said, I've got to go. I don't want to hang around. I'm going to go see this young lady. Well, Tom immediately came up to me. He said, Pastor, I want to go with you. I said, okay, come on. We hop in the car. We drive to the hospital. We walk into the hospital room. I can still see it today, even though it was 40 years ago or so. She was behind a curtain, and we walk into her room, and immediately, without me seeing a thing, I'm the pastor. What does Tom, the telephone wire guy, do? But step in there, and he goes, hey, how you doing? I've been praying for you. I've been crying. Are you Okay. Are you going to be all right? And he just starts loving on this young woman. He's praying for you. He, guess who the pastor was in that moment? Look, I'm the one with the degree, all right? Come on, back up, Tom. Let the pastor do the thing he knows to do. I'm the one that's educated here. I got the masters. You're a wire guy. I stood back and I watched Tom. He was the best pastor any pastor could ever be for that young woman. Guess what? I discovered a spiritual gift. He led her to the Lord right there on that bed. Do you know the Lord Jesus? You could have been killed, honey. And I'm concerned that you know Jesus. And we stood there and we held hands. And Tom led her through a, a sinner's prayer. And she got saved right there on the bed. And then they got her into discipleship. Guess what? He had the gift of pastoring. You got a gift. By the way, somebody in this church has written a book called You Got a Gift. Right? Have you ever read it? Um, where is she? Phyllis, where are you? Are you here today? There she is, right? Stand, stand up, Phyllis. You want a book about gifting, she's got them. She'll, she'll probably give you a copy. If she wants to sell you one, her husband will pay for it for you, okay? <laughs> it's, a, it's a done deal. Yeah, thank you, Phyllis. Yeah, she wrote a book about gifting because she found out she has a gift. And she wanted other people to know, you, can be, you, you need to understand God's given you a gift. Now, here's why this is important. If you don't understand what your gift is... You're going to expect your pastor to do what you're supposed to be doing. Woohoo! Come on, church. All right. 
If you don't discover your gift and you're not doing what God's called you to do, you're going to expect him to do what you're supposed to be doing. And I already told you last week, if I was the devil, and I am not, I told you that last night, I'm not. I have been confused at times. I would get the church to believe that the pastor is supposed to do all the work of ministry because you pay him. Here's the reality. Okay, it's just a little joke, but you know, pastors, we get paid for being good. You're good for nothing. Okay, I, I, I don't know where that came from. It just came out. It's not even in my notes. Look, when the body is working the way... Did you notice verse 7? Here's what verse 7 says. And he, that is Christ, he gave gifts to everyone just as he determined. Who do you think gives the gifts? Jesus does. He gave you the gift that he knew was right for you. And when you use it, you blossom. You become energized. You can't wait to do it again. If you're not gifted, it'll wear you out. It'll kill you and whatever. I can tell you, because sometimes I've operated out of my gifting. Tom, after that night in the hospital, I said, Tom, God's given you a gift of evangelism and mercy. You know that? He said, yeah, Pastor, I I think I do. I said, well, I saw it tonight in plain plain view, Tom. You, You can do that better than I can, and I've got a master's degree in it. And you've got a master's degree in wiring telephones. Guess what? God has gifted you for this, brother. And I turned him loose. And I could not tell you how many dozens of people I saw come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior when Tom would go out with me on evangelism calls. And then he began to lead the groups. Ah. To each one of us, grace is given. That's what the Bible says. That's what Pastor Ethan read. You know what that word grace is there? You know what it is? Uh, to each one, grace is given. It's the same word that you'll find in Ephesians 2 eight. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? You know that one. That word grace, it's in the Greek. Okay, here's another Greek word. Charis. Can you say charis? Okay, it's easy to remember. Here's why. It's where we get our word charismatic. Same root word, charismatic. Or grace, here it's translated gifts and grace. To each one, grace or gifts, charismata has been given to each one of us. Just as he determined or apportioned. So what's your gifting? Um, I can tell you what, any church I've pastored has grown, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I equipped and I trained the laymen to know what their gifts were, and I've turned them loose. You realize the average church in America runs under 200. You know why? I'll tell you why. It's because one man can pastor a church up to 200. Now, you might bump over to 220, 230, 240. But if he's the only one doing the ministry, it'll come back down. It'll plateau and it'll start to decrease. 80% of all churches in America average under 200. Until a pastor learns... He releases everyone else to do the ministry. But if you saddle your pastor with things you should be doing, you're not going to grow. You'll, not, you'll, 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 you'll stabilize right here, and you'll start to plateau, and you'll go down. So um, you got to let him do what God's called him to do. I told you last week, he needs to study probably one minute for every hour he preaches. Now, he probably won't do that, but he needs to. He'll have too many things going on. 
But you got to give him some study time. You got to go. If you in- insist that he's in every hospital room, he's in every home every year, he does all the calling, he's in four or five hours a, a week in meetings, it'll kill him. And not only will it kill him, but it, 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 the church won't grow because you'll be saddling him with maintenance ministry. Are you with me, church? Yes. Maintenance ministry. Turn him loose for growth ministry. We don't teach this in our seminaries or our schools. We teach maintenance. I've been bred since my education on leadership, how to grow a church. And if you just let him do what he should do and you do what you should do, the church will grow exponentially. I've seen it happen because people released me to operate within my gifts with raising up the leadership. And I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful thing when the church is clicking on all eight cylinders. Uh, that's, a, that's an automotive illustration. Uh, for, you know, most motors, at least the ones that are worthy, have eight cylinders. <laughs> and when they're all working, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, I've written my whole sermon out by hand, as I always do, and there's a ton of good stuff in here to talk about. But I, I want to wrap it up, and, and, and uh, let's wrap it up with a funny story. So uh, here's, here's one of my... My stories. Let me introduce it by saying, um, if you're not using your gift, get up off your duff and start using it. Try it out. If you don't know what it is, ask somebody, what do you think my gifting is? If you want to find out what it is, I know I'm your interim pastor, but I really care. You come and ask me and I'll help you find it. I'll give you some, in- some material. When I did my welcome class with you guys, uh, we had everybody do it, a spiritual gifts quotient. And they found out what their spiritual gifts and I asked them to go, go make it happen. Just get involved. Stand up and don't sit around and do nothing. Get up and do something. Amen? All right, so here's my story. Have you all heard about the Darwin Awards? Uh, Darwin Awards, uh, you can Google it up while I'm talking. Darwin Awards were designed by somebody uh, to give this award to the American who did the stupidest thing the year before. How would you like to get that award? Most of those awards are given posthumously. Uh, You know what posthumously means? It means you're dead. So you die and then you get the award because it was so stupid it killed you. Are you with me now? The Darwin Award. Okay, so enter Larry Walters. Larry Walters, uh, his dream was to fly Air Force planes in the military. But his vision was too poor and so they discharged him. And he never, not, he never got to fulfill his dream. So here he is, retired, 20 years after the military. He's sitting in his backyard, uh, someplace in the L.A. area, and he's dreaming about how he can fly. Now, this is a true story. You can Google up his name, Darwin Award, and you'll find the story just as I'm telling it pretty much. Larry Walters wanted to fly so bad, he decided he would design a, a, a flying contraption. So he went down to a Sears and Roebuck, and he bought himself a Sears and Roebuck uh, lawn chair. He got a nice chest. He taped it to the lawn chair. He went down to uh, the Army surplus store, and he bought 45 helium balloons, each one carrying, I think, 33 cubic feet of helium. Now, you've all had birthdays, and you've all gotten a happy birthday balloon, that won't fall because it's full of helium. Figure out a balloon this big, 33 cubic feet, and, 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 and tie those to the lawn chair, 
a lawn chair that's tied to a bumper. And, and, and so he, he loads up his ice chest, puts a bunch of ice in there, puts a bunch of sandwiches, puts some beer in there, I guess, and, and he's ready to go. He also gets his pellet gun because his plan is, true story, did I tell you this is a true story? His plan is when he, when he goes about 30 feet high or so and he's ready to come down, he'll just take his pellet gun, pop him a little bit of time, come down evenly, he'll be, he'll be just fine. So here he goes, he's all ready to go. He straps himself in his chair. He's got the chair tied off to the front bumper of his Jeep. And his friends cut the rope and he takes off. But he doesn't settle at 30 feet. He shoots past 100 feet, 200, 300, 400. Are you still counting with me? Five, he shoots past 1,000 feet. And before you know it, he's gone 16,000 feet in the air. This is a true story. Larry Walters. He got the Darwin Award, 1982. <laughs> He's floating around above L.A., eating his sandwich, just scared to death. He doesn't know how to get down. He's afraid to shoot the balloons now. <laughs> and the wind blows up. And the wind blows him over LAX, Los Angeles National Airport. Right smack dab in, what do they call them when they land? The fly, the the landing pattern. Thank you. At least you're listening to the story. An airplane gets ready to land. In fact, two of them, the way I read the story, a Delta and I think a transatlantic. And they see this guy floating around on a lawn chair at 16,000 feet. It gets on the horn. The pilot goes, "Uh, this is Delta 982 getting ready to land LAX. We're at 16,000 feet, and uh, we just passed a guy in a lawn chair. <laughs> he, he's got an eye chest, and he's also got a gun. <laughs> True story. Well, you can watch it on TV. I mean, you can get it on video. You can see part of this. I mean, those balloons are huge. They're flying all over the place. He doesn't know what to do. And finally, he figures out, well, I got I to gotta get down somehow. And so he starts popping these balloons one at a time. Pop, pop, pop. And he starts descending. I think he gets caught up in some wires around Long Beach. And when he hits the ground, finally, the cops arrest him, of course. They put him in handcuffs. Handcuffs. And when they're putting him into the police car, <laughs> I know what's coming. They're putting him into the police car. Uh, there's all kinds of people there. I mean, they've been watching it on TV, the guy floating around, and everybody's following this guy. You know, the, the news guy, media are just chasing the guy. He gets on the ground, he said, oh, he they're putting him in the, in the cop car, and some news media guy goes, Larry, what were you thinking? Which was a good question. Larry turned to them while they're putting him in the car, and he goes, a man just can't sit around, you know. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if the devil gets you doing what he wants you to do, you'll just be sitting around doing nothing. God's gifted you in a way that, well, maybe you don't even know. Find out what your gift is. And, and this plan of God, this big picture of God, it, it'll come to fruition. God has gifted you tremendously. Amen. Find what your gift is. He will use you, stretch you, make you realize how important you are to the body of Christ and in his kingdom in ways you never dreamed of. 
and he'll do it till you die if you'll let him. That's what he's doing to me. And I'm supposed to be retired. And I'm going to Africa. I was supposed to be to Israel last week. After Africa, I'll go again, and I'll go again, and I'll go again. Every time I go, I say to myself, can you do this again? Because it's not easy, it's hard. But God calls, he gifts, and he leads. And you come back fulfilled, and you go, wow, God, I'm neither worthy nor able, but it's you working through my gifting that you gave me. Wow. Now, Lord, thank you today. Thank you that you are the God of charismata. You are the God of gifting. Lord Jesus, you gifted every single one of us who owns you as Savior. And I pray, Lord, your hand to be upon every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place, that they would discover the gift you've given them, that we might all be raised up into maturity, grow up into the love and the nurture and the admonition of Jesus the Christ, just like little Troy, Nolan, life. From birth to death, that we might glorify you. Now, Lord, I guess we're going to do a shindig here. I don't like being the focus of the attention, but I is. So may I do it with a joyful heart and thanksgiving for these wonderful, gracious people you've given Linda and I to serve. We love them so much, God. Thank you for them. Bless our time. May it be a time of laughter and fellowship and some good soup. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's get out of here. Come on. Come on. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.